Bless up. What? Bless up. Okay, thank you. I think Rev already told you guys this is a talk back to me church, so I expect you to talk back to me. So when I say bless up, I expect to hear, okay. If, if you're not familiar with what that phrase means or that term means, you're like, what does bless up mean? It just means praise God. It means give God all the glory, right? So I'm going to say it one more time. Okay, thank you, Sly. Perfect. Good timing. Bless up. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. How you all doing today? Um, first Sunday of Advent. Um, for those of you, again, who don't know me, I haven't been at church the last several Sundays. My work schedule, again, it's just, it just is what it is. I, I have to miss certain Sundays, and it hurts me. It pains me to miss Sundays, but I'm glad to be here this morning, be a part of this community to worship together. My name is Deshaun, uh, associate pastor here at Third Street. Um, just a fancy title means I get to preach every once in a while and help with some of the some leadership and discipleship things that we do here. Um, but God is working through this church, and I, I, I love being involved in it. Uh, and so I'm glad to be the one to deliver the word this morning. Seeing your faces, I see a lot of faces that I am not familiar with. And that could just be because I'm now 30 and my memory is lapsing. Um, or it could be because there's new people in here. I don't know. I'm not sure. But um, I am excited, as I'm sure many of you guys are. Um, this is the season of expectation. Anticipation, excitement. Uh, I've got a, uh, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old. And so Christmas right now is like, it's, 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 it's here. Every day I get the question, when's Santa coming? When's Christmas? When do we get gifts? And I got to redirect because I'm old school. Hey, Christmas is not about Santa. I want to say something. I, I'm, I'm sure there's children in here, so I can't say what I'm hoping to say about Santa's existence. However... I say Christmas is about Jesus, and Santa loves Jesus, and so he gives gifts to us because we are celebrating the greatest gift of all, because that's, that's how my dad taught it to me. But, but my son is, he's like, I don't care about that. Where's my gift? All right? We're working on it. So this is the season of expectation, anticipation. We've got the elf on the shelf came out uh, yesterday. You guys don't know what that is. You'll get, to, you'll get hip to that soon enough. You'll get caught in, into it. If you're like, no, I'm going to resist that. No, you won't. All right, Elf on the Shelf came out, so we're like doing all these cool things for the elf to, you know, be naughty and like, you know, he rolled down the stairs in some toilet paper yesterday. This morning he was roasting marshmallows. You know, it's like excitement. So every day my kid gets up and he's looking for the elf on the shelf. Anticipation is excitement. We've got our lights kind of up. Our tree is up with a couple scattered ornaments, but we just haven't gotten there yet. So the tree will get done. I mean, there's excitement, anticipation in this season. I'm sure you guys can think of things you're excited about too. Uh, Some of us are excited about the gifts. You've been waiting for something for a long time. You've been asking your significant other not so uh, subtly for something like, hey, this looks really cute. Or, hey, I really love this game system. Hint, hint. Right? (laughs) Yes. You're anticipating something, right? So all of us have some sort of anticipation. Maybe you're excited just to spend time with your family, excited to get together and and just be with loved ones and enjoy good food and enjoy good times and and then to share in that community and fellowship. Or excited about the Advent calendar. I don't know if you guys are 
familiar with the Advent season, you get a calendar. Each day there's a verse or a passage and a theme, and you're excited about that. You go through, you're worshiping, you're connecting with God. Or maybe it's not so great. Maybe you're excited for all of this to be done, and you're ready for January. You don't want any more of the craziness. You don't want any more of the, the annoyingly cheerful Christmas people with their Christmas sweaters and their on-the-loop Christmas songs all the time. Started back in October. We just got really familiarized with John Legend. He came out with a Christmas album that is going to be a staple in the Kemwesa household. All right? But maybe that's not you. Maybe you've got some painful memories and, and you're just ready to get this season over with. All of us, to some degree or some level, can say we're anticipating something in this season, right? Well, with this anticipation, according to the gospel, all of us can receive something. We have something to receive in this season, regardless of where you're from, what your background is. It may not be presented in the way that you were expecting. The, the anticipation you have, you may get a gift, you may get something, you may receive something from the gospel and from Jesus in a different way than what you're expecting. How many of you are familiar with a white elephant gift exchange? Okay, a few of you. So your white elephant gift exchange, you get together with family. I won't put you out, Corey, don't worry. You get together with family and you, uh, and, and, or friends and, and, and you bring something that is of marginal value. Maybe it's valuable to you and not so much to other people. Or maybe it's really valuable and you just can't use it anymore and you exchange it, but you wrap it up. And the whole fun of the White Elephant Gifts Exchange is nobody has any idea other than you what's in that box, right? And so you can wrap it up really nice and inside it's like old gym socks, right? And you're like, ha, got you. Or you can wrap up something that's really valuable, like an iPod, for example, if you're that person. And put it in like a newspaper wrapping and you're like, ah, I don't, nobody, nobody wants that gift. But inside there's something really valuable, really meaningful. The presentation doesn't look like what you expect. And that's where we're at today in the first Sunday of Advent is looking at this unexpected gift that the world was able to receive. But it came in a packaging that that wasn't all that nice. It came in a packaging that you really didn't expect much to come from it. But on the inside, it was the greatest gift that had ever been given ever. And it came directly from God, and it was God, and it was for us, and it was for you. That's what we're talking about today. It's like the greatest white elephant of all times, but inside we got the most valuable gift that we could ever imagine. So we're going to turn to Matthew 1. If you got your Bibles with you, your devices with you, or if you just simply want to look on the screen, we're looking at Matthew 1 at the very beginning of how this story began. And before we get into it, we're just going to give a little bit of backstory. Uh, the people in Jesus' story, the people involved in Jesus' birth, they had no idea what to expect. Right? They had no idea what was going to happen to them. They didn't know that their lives, walking along, living their lives as they were, were going to intersect with God's divine story. They had no clue. Their expectations were that they would just continue living life just as it was, unchanged, maybe like insignificant. And the background of this, though, was that they had all been expecting something. The whole nation of Israel had been anticipating something. They had been the promised people. They had been the the, the people that were blessed by God. Everybody in this story knew what 
what the background was. They knew the, the history of the Israelites and, 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 and their forefathers. They knew that Abraham had been promised in Genesis 12 that God was going to bless all families, including us, all families through him. They knew that. They knew that all the way along there had been promises made and broken by the Israelites, by us. And they also knew that God was consistently faithful. So they were anticipating, they were waiting, but they had been waiting a long time. It had been 400 years since they heard God speak. They were not expecting God to show up when he did or God to open their eyes when he did. And so the first line in this passage means a whole lot more to them than it maybe means to us. The first line is this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. Boom. Matthew writing this, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born, would have shook everyone to the core because they had been waiting for a long time. They had been waiting to see God move. They had been waiting to hear God. And they hadn't, hadn't even gotten a taste of that yet. And so they hear, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. Now, y'all know Hallmark movies. We know Charlie Brown Christmas. You know how, who is it? Is it Linus that says, could somebody help me? Linus? Yeah. So Linus has this like huge you know, passage, and he reads, and it's like the spotlight on him. That's how we've come to know these stories and these lines around this time in Christmas, because we, our culture has been kind of, it's watered down what actually happened here. But for the Jews listening to this message, listening to these words, it would have actually started to get them like, this can't be real. I can't believe that this is going on. And that brings us to that first point that we have today which is about unbelief. See, all the way along since, since God had told Abraham in Genesis 12, hey, I'm going to bless the whole world through you. All people will be blessed through you. Ever since God had told Abraham that, everyone along the way had done the same exact thing. God says, I'm going to bless the world through you. I'm going to use you to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to change this situation, this community because of you. And everybody does the same thing. That's unbelievable. I don't believe that. That's God, I'm sure you've got some plan. It just doesn't involve me. And it certainly, that's too crazy. That's impossible. That's beyond the realm of what I can believe. They have the same response of unbelief. And my first point is don't let unbelief keep you from receiving God's gift. Do not let unbelief keep you from receiving God's gift. All those characters, they didn't believe that God could actually do what he said he was going to do at first. Because really, I mean, when you're 98 and God tells you, hey, your wife is going to have a baby. What? Like science, like she's supposed to be in menopause, like long, like in later menopause. Like there's nothing happening there. And yet God makes something happen. God challenges their unbelief. Where in your life Does God need to challenge your unbelief to believe that he's got gift for you? He's got the greatest gift for you in salvation through Jesus. But he's also got, we're going to keep going through this. He's got more gifts for you planned than you could possibly imagine. 
He's got more plans for you to be a part of than you could imagine. I won't go there yet because we're getting there. God says, I want to restore you. I want to bring you back to me, and then I want to use you supernaturally. And the brief history, Abraham and Sarah were told this. They laughed. Moses, he wouldn't go to speak to the Pharaoh without his brother Aaron. He said, no, I can't speak. I'm not going. David and Solomon, blessed by God, given all kinds of wisdom, given power and influence. They were infamous for their infidelity and extramarital affairs. They wanted something a little extra on the side to what God had already given them. Jonah's disbelief made him want to run completely in the opposite direction in which God had planned for him to go because he hated those people so much. He's like, that can't be your plan. I hate them too much to be a part of that redemption. Gideon asked for multiple signs. We just talked about Gideon. He continued. I love Gideon because he's, he's, he's simple, he's faithful, but he needs that reassurance. He keeps asking for multiple signs. God gives him what he asks for, and he completely is like, I still don't believe it. The whole nation of Israel. Time after time after time keeps turning away from God, keeps doing the opposite of what God asks them to do. And he continually is faithful to them. The expectation was that the natural responses that everybody had, whatever natural responses you might have, I want you to think about your situation. Where are you right now where you're thinking, you know, I don't believe that God wants to really get get me through this. And not even that he wants to. I don't really believe that God can get me through this. I don't believe that God can bless me in this way. I don't believe that God can overcome this because it just seems too impossible. The expectations of all these characters were that they wanted the natural responses that they had. They thought that those were more feasible, more believable than the supernatural solutions that God was offering. So when we get to this line, and now we get to read the whole passage, this line of this is how Jesus the Messiah was born, The rest of it makes a whole lot more sense. We frame it correctly. And this is where we go. We're going to go ahead and read. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before that marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Good man. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Okay, so this is not how it was supposed to go down, right? The the Israelites, the Jewish people did not expect this to happen this way. They didn't think their Messiah was going to come like this. They knew a Messiah was coming. They were waiting. They were anticipating the Messiah coming, but not like this. What was a baby going to do? What the people wanted, what the people demanded, what they were expecting was someone of royal pedigree, a king, someone to come out of the woods wild and ready to just knock down all the oppressors, someone who was going to to avenge all of the oppression that they had been going through, but not a baby, 
They didn't expect this baby, no less, to be born to a peasant girl who was a virgin who lived in the most despised area that the Israelites could conceive of at that time. Everybody said, oh, what's going to come out of Nazareth? Nothing. It's, it's kind of like how people talk about Kenton, right? I'm, not, I'm just being real. I love, I love Kenton. I live here. But you know when people talk about, wait, you live in Canton? Wait, wait, you moved from Columbus to go to Canton? What's wrong with you? I get that all the time at work. Where'd you move from? I, my parents live in Columbus. And you came to Canton? I'm like, yes, I came to Canton. And God's doing something pretty cool here. You shut your mouth. You get indignant. You start like, I got to protect this, this, this place that I'm living in, this home that I'm raising my children. And you, you don't know what you're talking about, sir. Nazareth? What's going to come out of Nazareth? Nothing good. Their expectations were that, man, king, royal, coming and taking over the Roman Empire they didn't expect to be surprised in this way. And that brings me to the second point. Expect God to surprise you. So the first point is don't let unbelief keep you from receiving God's gift. The second point, expect God to surprise you. Mary did not expect to be pregnant because she hadn't done the thing that makes you pregnant. Of course. If we look in Luke 129, it, it's, it's a great picture. If you, if you can imagine yourself being in that situation, you're engaged to be married in a culture in which if you got pregnant before you got married, you would be ostracized, cast off. Mary's expectation was that she was going to be married soon, have a normal life in zero BC, and enjoy the rest of her life as a normal wife to Joseph. And she gets pregnant and she tells the angel in Luke 129, she's confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. And Mary said to the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Like she's racking her brain like this doesn't make sense. This is impossible. This can't be. That's what happens when your expectations are natural. But when you expect God to move in a supernatural way, man, then then your eyes are open in a whole different way. Because what we see later on in Luke 138 is that the angel reassures her that God is with her. She's right where she needs to be doing, doing exactly what she needs to be doing. And then Mary's response is beautiful. She says, may I, may I be, may the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. Like she humbles herself and she says, I'm seeing like you're seeing. Let me, let me, let me walk out this will the way you want me to. She responds in a supernatural way. Because she believes that the expectation now has been set. Like, I'm bringing you now to my level. God is like, I'm raising you up so you can see with my eyes. Joseph definitely didn't expect any of this to go down. Imagine being Joseph. You're like walking around. You're like, hey, I just got engaged. Fly a little thing. Miss Mary. I'm going to get married soon. Got all the things lined up. And then she drops this bombshell on you. Joseph, I'm pregnant. Exactly. Like, Joseph, I'm pregnant. And you imagine Joseph's face, and it's, what? Like, he can't, can't catch his breath. What are you talking about? This is not how it was supposed to go. This was not the plan. 
His expectations were that he would get married and they would have a family and he would keep working and doing what he was doing, being a carpenter, building houses, doing all all these things. But this alters his plans completely. His expectations were shattered. And so he does what the normal person would do, but except he's a righteous man. And so Joseph arranges to divorce Mary quietly. Not like some guys would have done it, been like, I am justified, I am putting you out. This is not, like, I'm restored. This has got nothing to do with me. No, Joseph, being righteous, he wants, to, he wants to keep Mary protected. He wants to keep his reputation secure. So in the natural sense, he's doing the best that he could possibly do. But it's still not good enough. Because God comes in through an angel and he says to Mary, listen, he says to Joseph, listen, Mary is telling you the truth. It really is the Holy Spirit. Like, she's not just, like, making it up. Like, he's got to think in his mind, yeah, pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. But the angel's like, no, for real, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. Like, the, God is dwelling in her. God has overshadowed her. She is with a holy child. And when he wakes up from his dream, Joseph, his expectations are absolutely changed. His natural response was to do what the best that he could possibly do. But then God stepped in and said, I'm raising your response up so that you have a supernatural solution. How many of you are responding to life circumstances in a natural way and you're doing the best that you can in your own power, with your own solutions, with your own responses? I'm trying to get it done. I'm just trying to stay holy. I'm just trying to be good. I'm just trying to stay out the way. I'm just trying to keep my head down and grind through to make sure that I get through this education. I'm just trying to make sure that we get through Christmas without having to worry about finances anymore. I'm just trying to get through Christmas without having to grieve about the debts or the pain that I've gone through. How many of you are trying to get through with your own natural responses? And God is saying, look up at me. I've got a supernatural solution for you. Pick up your eyes and see what I am doing. I'm doing something new. Look to me, and I will give you a supernatural solution. And Joseph's expectations go from natural to supernatural. He wakes up, and he goes and marries Mary. I like that. He goes and marries Mary. He says, Mary, I'm going to make you my wife. God has revealed to me that you are part of his plan, and I am part of his plan, and we get to be part of his plan together. And because of that, I'm trusting in his supernatural solution, regardless of what anybody else around me is going to say. We're going to get some funny looks. We're going to get some questions. We might not get invited to Christmas, to whatever, uh, 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 I'm sorry, Passover. This would be Passover for them. We might not get invited to Passover because our families might not really believe what's happening. But we are walking in God's will. Our expectations are now raised to a supernatural level. We know that God wants to do something, and we're going to go be a part of that. My, um, my family's from Kenya. I've told you that, that before. If you haven't heard that before. My family's from Kenya. I was born there. <clears throat> I lived there for seven years. Mm-hmm. People always ask me, where's your accent? So I never had an accent. I was born just talking just like this. It's not true, obviously. <laughs> I was seven years old. So we came to the U.S. I, I enculturated quick. Lost that accent. Like, I'm not going to be coming to America. <laughs> I can say it. I'm African. Stop. So... We came to the U.S. We came to the U.S., and my dad got a job through a missions organization. Um, In this missions organization, uh, it was based out of Indiana, 
uh, and his job was to kind of connect the churches across the world that this mission organization um, sent out and planted. My dad brought our family here. We're all excited, anticipating what was going to happen and being a part. I mean, you see on TV when you're in Kenya, you know, we had it pretty good there, but you saw on TV, you watched the movies like Rambo, and you watched the NBA Celtics and, 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 and the, the, that was the, the Jordan Chicago Bulls, and you were like, this is America. Like, it's a wonderful place, and there's cowboys and hot dogs. And so we were excited to come to the U.S., and we came to the U.S. with that expectation and anticipation that this was going to be our brand new, amazing American life. So two years into that brand new, amazing American life where we were essentially living off of food stamps, being supported by a meager income, and living in a neighborhood that oftentimes we were told by my mom to be in before it was dark because she didn't know what was going to happen to us, my dad gets laid off. There was some new director at the work that he was there, and, and she wanted something done that he was not comfortable with, and so she laid him off. Our natural expectations were completely broken. Like, we, this was not what we were expecting. But my dad and my mom, being the incredibly faithful people they are, my dad comes home, <clears throat> so we're on a work visa. So it's just on my dad. Like, my dad has, we were here because my dad has this work visa. When it expires, we can get deported. Um, my dad comes home, and he says, we're going to pray. We all, didn't even say why. He said, we just need to pray. So we sat down, then we all got on our knees, and we all prayed. And we did this for like a week every day. He would go out, do whatever he was doing. I'm assuming trying to find somewhere where we could land. And we would pray. One day he comes home and he says, all right, I've got a job interview at this church in Wisconsin. Wisconsin? What? Is that a real place? They go out. We take the whole family. We get in the car. We drive up there. Turns out this church in Wisconsin was the same place that my dad had passed through. It's in the middle of nowhere. No kind of diversity there whatsoever. Incredibly homogenous. And we're in this random town with 50, it's not even a town, it's an incorporation with 50 people. It's got that on the sign, 50. Who makes a sign for 50 people? We go to this incorporation and we're there. And it turns out it's the same town that my dad had passed through in the 70s when he was in college. He stayed the night with a family that had gone to this church. Didn't expect this. So, man, when God works, it's crazy. So, yeah, talk about surprise. So this church, there's this one member whose house my dad had stayed at. And um, obviously, you don't get to meet too many Kenyans out in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin. So when my dad's name popped up, he recognized it and was like, hey, I remember this guy. And he's like, let's bring him in for an interview. We go in for the interview. We meet the family. Uh, they, they meet the family. They meet us. And within two weeks, we had the job. We moved up to Wisconsin and we established our new life, and it gave us time to get papers. We were documented finally. Yay! Like, in our natural responses, I don't know how that would have even happened. <clears throat> but because God knew long ago in the 70s that we would need a church to... <sighs> I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about it this much, so now I'm thinking about it. It's like, whoa, okay. I'm going to move on. See... 
when you expect God to work supernaturally, it surprises you. It catches you off guard. When you're expecting to work in the natural, you're stuck grinding day after day without any kind of hope. Some of you are struggling. Struggling to see how God can surprise you. You're not sure. Maybe you've been disappointed by how people have represented God, uh, Jesus, in the past. You've been disappointed by how Christ has been presented to you. Without Christ has been shoved in your face to show you judgment or, or guilt. Or maybe you just don't know how to trust God enough to, to let him open your eyes to see the supernatural. You need to let go of control of your life. You need to release control of your life in order to see God working at the level where he's working, where he wants you to be. If you're going to experience God in a supernatural way, you have to stop trying to live in a natural way. You have to stop trying to, to, to find natural responses to your problems. You have to stop expecting that what you do will get you where you need to get to. You need to stop and say, God, I'm going to release control of my life. I'm going to let you guide where you want me to go, how you want me to get there, and what the outcome is. Because without that release, you're stuck grinding day after day, trying on your own, in your own will, and you might have some success. That's fine. But ultimately, if you're looking for that fulfillment and satisfaction in life, You've got to let go of control of your life and let God open your eyes to the supernatural possibilities that he has for you. And I'm talking about your job. I'm talking about your education. I'm talking about your marriage. I'm talking about every single area of your life. If you want fulfillment in that area of your life, man, let God work and see how he surprises you. Expect him to surprise you. You will not be disappointed. It may not always feel good. It may not always be easy. But it will always get you where you need to be. And it will always fulfill your life. Now, Mary and Joseph, they both received reassurance from the angel. And they're both in this place where they're like, okay, now now we wait. What's God up to next? What's he going to do next? I mean, he just made a virgin pregnant and wrecked our lives. What's he going to do next? They're anticipating. They're eagerly waiting. And we read in 24 and 25 how Joseph got up from his dream and went and married Mary. And they waited on Jesus, whose name, by the way, means Jehovah is salvation. They are eagerly anticipating salvation, which brings me to my third and final point, which is eagerly anticipate God's gift. First point, don't let disbelief keep you from receiving God's gifts. Second point, expect God to surprise you. And lastly, eagerly anticipate God's gifts. One of the greatest things about being a parent, like I said, is, is being able to see your kids' excitement, right? When you, when you bring home something that they were not expecting or, or you know, you, 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 you open up a, 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 a candy bar and you're about to eat it and they're like, can I have that candy bar? And inwardly you're like, no, you can't. But because you're a good parent, you say, sure. And their face beams. Th- that, those are the moments that you live for. Because, because you're able to see that eager anticipation, the excitement. And when you were younger, you could care less about what kinds of gifts are in the boxes, right? I got a two-year-old who I'm going to just, basically, I could throw a box out there. She'll open it up and I'm like, yay! 
right? But as they get older, it gets harder to surprise. They start getting picky. We start wanting more like specific things. And you're like, ah, why can't you just go back to loving the box, right? But there's an eager anticipation. There's a waiting. They're excited about the gift itself. They're excited about just the gift itself. And you always, you always hear the joke, you could just get them a box and they'd be happy with it. But most of the time they don't play with the toy anyway. And I don't want to oversimplify, if I'm going to connect this a little bit, I don't want to oversimplify the profound truths that are in the Bible and that are woven into the birth of Jesus and the implications of humanity that exist there by saying that it's kind of like that. But receiving Jesus is kind of like that. It needs to be kind of like that. It needs to be that when we hear the gift of Jesus, when you hear about the gift of salvation, we need to have that anticipation that's like, I'm just happy to know Jesus. Like, that's the initial. Like, I'm just, I get to, I get to know Jesus. I, I, I anticipate what it means for me to live a life with Jesus. And I know it's simple. I know it's, it's, it's probably too simple, but that's, that's how we are to respond. And in Luke 146, Mary says, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The way she rejoiced is that kind of just simple joy. Rather than wrapping it up, I feel like sometimes we get so caught up in the seriousness of our lives that we forget to just simply enjoy Jesus. We forget to simply enjoy the gift that we, we have in salvation in peace, in joy. We wrap all these other things up into it, and we forget that just the gift in of itself is pretty good. But wait, there's more. Like, don't let me stop there. There's, there is more. You, you get to have Jesus, but then out of salvation comes a transformation. And out of that transformation comes this expectation, the expectation that God is going to work in you and then through you, and not just for you, that you can just like experience this joy like a kid who opens up the box. But then now you get to share that gift, not just in like, I get to share Jesus with you, but you get to do it in every area of your life. You get to speak in a spiritual way to those around you. You get to work in a spirit-filled way wherever you are. You get to study. God help you. You get to study in a spiritual way to where people look at your life and they're like, why are you studying with so much joy? Stop, you're annoying me. You get to raise your children in a spiritual way because you are opening up the greatest gift and you're sharing it with everybody around you. If you're suffering, if you're going through difficulty, you walk through that suffering, through that difficulty with a sense of absolute joy because you know that it is not all. That is not what you have to stay in. God offers you more. Always. God offers you more. So we get this salvation, we get this gift, and we receive it like a kid, excitedly. But then you ask, what do you have for me today? Every single day you wake up. If you're a believer, you're waking up and you're saying, Lord, what do you have for me to receive? And what do you have for me to do today? And you start seeing life in a whole different light. We've had some stories in here where, man, you know, I can just call out Nate and Courtney. You have those neighbors that you don't want them around. You tell them, I don't want you around. But then God gives you a spiritual vision and you see them as daughters. 
and you see them as worthy, and you see them as valuable, and, and you're able to speak into their value. Several times where we've had young men come in, and, and you're like, there's no way. There's, there's no hope, right? And then God gives you a spiritual vision, and you see this young man as a, as, as a broken young man, but valuable, with purpose. Or you're at work, and you're, you're thinking, man, I am just here to make a paycheck. And then God opens your eyes so you can receive the gift of salvation first, but then more, you start to see your work as a mission field. You start to see the people you're working around as, as individuals who need to know the love and forgiveness and grace that Jesus offers, and you have an anticipation every day you're going into work. God, what do you have for me to receive today? What do you have for me to do today? That's what happens when we anticipate what God is up to, when we eagerly await the greatest gift of salvation And then daily, we await what God is up to, wherever we are. So I've got a couple questions. We're going to respond here in a little bit. Um, I've got a couple questions we're we're going to run through, and I want you to respond. We'll have communion up front, communion in the back. Uh, The worship team will come up, uh, and we'll have a few people stationed up to pray. And and I I want us to consider a couple of these questions I want you to think through in your own personal life. You know, maybe, maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you don't care to know Jesus. You just came because somebody brought you, or maybe you do. You're trying to figure it out. You're confused. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while, and you're just wanting to maintain that purpose in your walk. Are you letting unbelief keep you from receiving God's gifts? Uh, where is it in your heart that you are just holding on to control a little bit? You're like, I don't believe God can get that done. Like, everything else is under God's dominion, but that, I've got to hang on to that. Where are you letting unbelief keep you from receiving God's gifts? Secondly, are you expecting God to work for you, in you, and through you? Are you expecting God to do something in your life that will actually impact the lives of others? And then lastly, are you anticipating God's gift of salvation for you and for those around you? Because if we're not anticipating anything, if we're not looking forward to anything, then all we're doing is grinding it out daily. And what's the difference between, between the belief in Jesus then and just any other positive thinking that might be out there? Because the thing that makes the gospel different is that anticipation of hope. That's what makes this season fun, is we're anticipating, celebrating the hope that came into the world because of Jesus. And then secondly, and we'll talk on this more, I'm sure, the anticipation of Jesus' return to redeem all things back to him into right relationship. So what are you anticipating? What are you looking forward to? How is God letting you anticipate what he's up to?